Thanks for coming back, or if it's your first time, welcome to Leading Matters. Look, if this is your first episode, you're in for a big treat because this is uh, really, I excited this all the time. I guess it's overviews about how much I enjoy doing this and enjoy all my guests, and I actually do. That's that's not a lie uh, by any stretch of the means, but I've been um, following Scott Monty since probably 2009 across social media. I've had an opportunity to interview him once before in 2010, and he was gracious enough to join me today to be my guest on Leading Matters. So Scott Monty was the global digital marketing communications, multimedia communications manager for Ford Motor Company, and really had an incredible run there and helped uh, Ford do some amazing things. And if you think about the timing of that, he was doing these amazing things at Ford at uh, you know during the economic crisis and when most car companies, American car companies, were really getting beaten down in the press and the impression of them uh, wasn't so great. But Ford, just the opposite. They managed themselves well in many areas, not the least of which was Scott's work across how they communicated with their marketplace. He has since moved on, and he now runs his own consultancy. It's called Scott Monty Strategies. You could find him on scottmonty.com. I go through a longer introduction in just a minute here, so I'll, I'll save uh, more for that. But uh, listen, uh, after my talk with Ryan Estes a couple weeks ago, I'm, I'm really keen on a what he calls a take action now plan. So something actionable for you to do after you spend these 25 minutes listening to Scott and I discuss matters such as mission, uh, values, how, you know, how we identify the right talent to bring into the organization, um, some of the uh, trends that we ought to be looking out for digitally and across different media communication channels, and also the very tricky task of boiling strategy down to tactics. We discuss all of that. So what's the key takeaway? Well, I think the takeaway for you is this. Once you are completed and you hear about uh, what Scott's perception is on marrying the the artistic with the uh, more concrete analytical nature of what we do, I think it's the first thing to do is analyze where you believe your strengths are there and you know, actually write it down. If your communication strengths and your marketing strengths are what are, are the foundation of your organization, then write down with specificity what they are and then how you can begin to measure those. And if you're not measuring them, no, that's again, that's the first place to start. So first things first, write down where your strengths lie what they are with specificity, uh, pros and cons type list, if you will, and then how you're measuring each. I think it's going to tell you a lot when you actually have it on paper, and it will give you a very uh, specific place to start. So with no further ado, and as my kids now burst into my quote-unquote studio, which is also my basement office, uh, let's take a listen to Scott Monty of Scott Monty Strategies. Scott Monty. Now, you may have heard of him. You may not have, but you know what? I'm betting that after you listen to our chat with him today that you're going to want to hear more from him. So the Economist listed Scott atop their 25 social business leaders list, and he was recognized by Forbes as one of the top 10 influencers in social media. Um, now, listen, he also uh, was the global digital and multimedia communication manager for Ford Motor Company and did some really fantastic work there from 2008 through 2014. Uh, today, he authors one of the most valuable, what I think, one of the most valuable weekly newsletters uh, in digital communication. It's called This Week in Digital. I would encourage you to subscribe to that. 
And he's also uh, recently, within the last three months, started Scott Monty Strategies, which uh, helps clients gain insight on the changing landscape of business technology, communications, and marketing. So, Scott, listen, I am absolutely thrilled to have you on, so thank you so much for being my guest today. Joe, it's a pleasure to be with you. So, listen, Scott, um, we spoke probably about five years ago, and you quoted Cicero to me that day. I'll never forget it. And I, lo and behold, in prep for, in prep for this conversation, I look on your website, and sure enough, there is a quote from Cicero. It reads, if you wish to persuade me, you must think my thoughts, feel my feelings, and speak my words. So, Scott, h- help me out a little bit. Elaborate on that and what we should take away from it. No, you're speaking my words, Joel. Um, Cicero has been a great influence uh, in, in my later career. You know, I was a classics major as an undergrad. I studied Greek and Roman uh, history and literature and uh, drama and architecture and all that. And one might ask, well, what, is, what does somebody do with a classics degree? Uh, usually it's you go on to get more education or, you know, you, you end up flipping burgers somewhere. I didn't think it would lead to you know, where I am today in, uh, in, in communications and marketing consulting. But as I think back to some of the things I learned uh, in, in those bright college days, um, what I've come to realize is that even though technology has changed dramatically over the last 10 years alone uh, and, and all the gadgets we have and all the ways we're able to communicate with each other, uh, human nature is very much the same, the same as it was 2,000 years ago or more. Uh, we still want the same things in life. You know, we want what matters to us and, and those that we care about. Uh, we want to we want to contribute to something meaningful in this world, uh, make the world a better place. And we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, we want to leave a lasting impact for, uh, you know, the next generation. And when I was looking through some of my old books, this this quote from Cicero stood out um, and, and you read it earlier. You know, if you wish to persuade me, you must think my thoughts feel my feelings, and speak my words. This is a guy who made his living as a lawyer, uh, but also as a politician. He needed to stand up and orate, uh, and, and that was a profession back then. Orator uh, was a, a valid profession where people would stand up and persuade crowds to see things the way uh, that they saw them, uh, whether it was to get them to support a, uh, a, a vote or uh, a particular movement or what have you. He knew how to move people uh, emotionally and psychologically so that they would be on his side eventually, whether it was a jury or judge or, or whatever. And I think the same applies today. And, and if we want to get inside people's heads in this busy time amid all this technology, we need to understand what they're going through and how they're thinking and relate to them on their own level. So... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to ask the question, right, because I think there's so much packed in there, right? And I want to talk about hiring for a second because I, I what, something you said there about your, your training and, and what you studied makes me want to know about the types of people we should be searching for as we bring into our, into our um, companies. But before I get there, you know, on Leading Matters, I always ask guests about how they prioritize company mission and values. And, you know, in that discussion of, of the Cicero quote and why it's important to you, some of that starts to ring through. In other words, as a company, we, we have to have purpose and focus. And, and do you find today that 
you know, these seemingly emotional factors of business make more more of a significant difference today, especially when we're talking about the free flowing and constant nature of communication. So I'm just curious if you know if you tell clients that listen, if you don't have a a well stated mission and your and your values are are you know only signs in a wall, then that's a, a good place to start. You know, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm just curious if if being able to clearly articulate a mission and values is important in how we kind of develop our strategy and communicate to our marketplace. Well, I think more than anything, uh, what we've seen and, and, and surveys and, and studies bear this out is that um, the, the younger generation now uh, needs businesses that, that they choose to purchase from, uh, that they choose to do business with. They need those businesses to stand for something. Uh, stand for something more than just what they're selling. Uh, in other words, they need to support uh, a cause or, um, you know, philosophically be aligned with uh, the new consumer. Uh, so whether it's uh, something environmental, whether it's something related to uh, labor laws or, um, you know, some sort of moral uh, decision, more and more uh, young people are looking for brands to actually stand for something. And, you know, a lot of times the, the mission statement that you see uh, hanging all over companies' walls uh, are very either self-serving or very confusing, you know, full of a lot of uh, gobbledygook, as David Meerman Scott calls it. Um, you know, it, it, it's how they can get beyond the, uh, you know, the class-leading, enterprise-wide, blah, 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 and how they actually stand for making the world a better place giving back to the communities in which we do business, supporting, you know, XYZ um, uh, charities or movements or, or whatever it happens to be. And it needs to be more than just a, uh, a surface level acknowledgement. You can't, you know, run your business in a certain way and then just throw a few million dollars at a charity and think you're done with it. It, it has to be core to, uh, you know, what your, what your company believes in order to really convince uh, particularly uh, millennials and the, the younger generation, that this is a company that is worthy of them spending their money on. So that let me let me get into the hiring question then, right? Because I would imagine, again, in my experience and talking with some of my clients and helping some of the people out with you know how to put these pieces together, that the the, the people you know having it defined well and not just have it be corporate gobbledygook or, or whatever signs in a wall but but meaningful you know sometimes it only goes as far as the people that that execute it so I'm curious getting back to your education you know I don't see a lot written about the type of people we ought to look for you know I have uh, two college-age children myself and you know I actually encourage them when they went to school I say listen you should maybe consider studying you know a liberal arts course of study because as a hire and I've hired plenty of people some many 20-somethings as well that that more well-rounded kind of educational experience has brought a lot more to the table than some discipline that I know I could already teach them. So do you see this as a potential hiring trend for organizations that prioritize mission and values and they get that purpose will make a positive difference to their business and in finding people with a, a more um, enlightened, to use <laughs> lack of a better word, uh, view on, on, on the world and how they've been educated? You know, I think it's a, a really interesting um, the thing that you point out here, Joel, uh, and I don't know if uh, it qualifies as a trend or not, because, you know, I've seen instances of 
schools focusing on um, tools and processes. Uh, you know, more and more in 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 marketing and in communications in particular, you're seeing this ramp up of data-driven storytelling, data-driven PR, data-driven marketing, data-driven storytelling. And this is trying to imbue more analytical reasoning within the communications and marketing profession, uh, professions that for many, many years have gone on um, more along the lines of anecdotal research and gut-level instinct uh, rather than true uh, analysis. And I, I think that's important that uh, we look at the numbers, particularly in the digital space when we've got more data than ever before and we can actually look for trends uh, among the data. However, I think that it's possible that the humanities and the social sciences are being sacrificed for these more analytical and process-driven approaches. And what I mean by that is there's not as much um, focus being given to critical thinking and writing and, you know, the, the, the softer skills that actually produce a more well-rounded individual that's able to reason, that's able to actually apply those critical thinking techniques to the numbers. You know, these things go hand in hand. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I've consulted with companies who are looking for the, the data-driven PR practitioner. Well, that's like a unicorn. You know, so they have to decide, well, are we going to look for an, uh, an analyst and try and make them a PR person, or are we going to look for a PR person and train them in analytical skills? And I, I don't think it's an either-or approach. I think you need to look for the type of person that is innately curious, that has a philosophy of lifelong learning, people that just can't get enough, that are not satisfied with the status quo, that always improve, that always work on, uh, you know, whether it's personal development, professional development, uh, or what have you. It's this constant drive to learn more and to be at the top of their profession. That's the kind of person you need to find to recruit. And, yeah, everybody's going to be after that kind of person. That's that, look. That's a I think a really good analysis of it, right? Because it seems to me I know you before we got on the phone, you mentioned Seth Godin, and I, I a couple of years ago I saw him speak at Inbound uh, HubSpot's conference, and he talked about fearless creativity and, and the artful essence of what we do. And you know, again, I, I don't is is that kind of what you're defining? In other words, the 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 emotional side, the left brain, if you will, or, or I'm not sure if it's left or right, I think it's left, um, that emotional element of making sense of numbers in a meaningful way. I mean, and again, I agree. I think it's difficult to find that kind of talent. But is it is it enough to say, hey, we need to inject some of that into our workforce? And then more importantly, how do I go about doing that? In other words, how I don't, how would you define? That's Like you said, it's kind of like a, a unicorn, the data-driven uh, PR guy, right? So how do leaders start to say, okay, here's the type, here, with, with specificity, here's what it looks like, and here's who I want to add to the team? You know, you talked about intellectual curiosity and constant learning, but, you know, we ultimately have to quantify if we want to run a business, right? So how do we quantify that and measure it and identify it? Well, you know, it might be fair to start with bringing in a true 
analytical mind who maybe doesn't know a thing or very little about uh, marketing or PR. Um, and, and they may be a, an anomaly within the organization. They may be that, that square peg. Um, but if you give people like that enough run room and people who are willing to share their craft and teach, um, I think that's a good way to start. You know, lead by example. It's not a matter of, you know, turning to your entire communication staff and saying, get analytical. Uh, you know, that's, that's not going to work. You actually have to show them the way. And whether it's through, um, you know, bringing in an individual like that or getting them started on even free online training courses, whether it's through, um, you know, Google Analytics. I know you can you can do a lot of self-teaching through uh, some of the Google modules. Um, there are, you know, online courses through sites like uh, Udemy. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to actually start pointing them in the right direction and seeing who has the uh, the initiative and who has the uh, the drive to actually start helping to lead the way. And I mean, that, that's a, a really good way to, to think about it, too, is to is to turn to them and say, hey, we don't have the answers. Let's figure this out together and task them with helping to build this uh, this next industry practice. So let me let me actually use that as a segue to, to jump over to some of the great work you did at Ford. Right. Because what I really enjoy, you know, watching from the sidelines while you were there was that Ford seemed to really capitalize on their natural access to all media, right? And, you know, I, I believe that what, what you guys demonstrated there was a delicate recipe of, of strategy to tactile execution, right? With, you know, including all the analytics and the, the essence of the art here, right? As a matter of fact, I remember the, um, the Ford Explorer launch was, was pretty successful. So, I mean, there was literally multiple case studies of kind of how to do it, right? So a lot of folks I talked to struggle with strategy or tactics or both and really their ability to create a strategy in a way that could be easily boiled down to execution. So look, let me make the question a little bit more tangible. The other day I, I saw a, uh, an interview you did and you're talking about boosting Facebook posts, right? And how affordable it is and the, the inherent value there and the targeting and all the things we could do there. But really maximizing that sort of tactic, in other words, making it, getting the biggest bang for a buck and making it work for us requires that I have some kind of plan behind it. So, you know, I, I guess what I'm asking you for here is, you know, you work for the biggest of the big, right? Now you're, you're you know, sole proprietor, working, helping all size clients. So share your thoughts with us here on how to develop strategy in a way that can be meaningfully executed. Ultimately, your marketing strategy, your communication strategy, it has to support the business, the business strategy. And, you know, at Ford, it was, it was deceptively simple. Uh, it was a matter of improving the company's reputation and helping to build purchase consideration. <clears throat> so everything we did was based on those two major strategic goals. And if we could say this, this sort of thing, this, this tactic does not help our reputation or does not ultimately help to drive purchase consideration, then why are we doing it? Right. So that became the barometer for, uh, whether to even go down uh, a path or not. And, and having a relentless focus on the same thing. You know, I mean, the, the, the Ford executive team met every Thursday and, and was very much on point with exactly how, 
how the, the corporate plan was coming along. Was it green? Was it yellow? Was it red? Who needed help? Who needed support? Uh, who could show the way? We use the same process within communications. And I think, again, it's deceptively simple. But you know, how do you frame what you want to achieve? How do you put a, an effective measurement against that? Because if you don't measure it, you can't tell whether you're actually achieving the, that strategic goal. And then all of the tactics will fall into line under that. And, you know, you can pick to your, your heart's content. There's no lack of channels for you to do things on or uh, ways to get people's attention. Um, it's obviously got to fit with where your customer base is or with whatever audience you're trying to reach is. And um, ultimately, you need to remind yourself with every tactic that you do, how does it ladder back up to that broader vision of supporting the business goal. Do you think it, it's a greater challenge for business leaders today to manage that translation of strategy to tactics and then properly measure it back up that ladder, if you will? Well, I think it's it's tempting for a lot of leaders to look at the latest tool, the latest uh, technology. You know, we were talking about Periscope and Meerkat uh, earlier before the, the, the interview. It's really easy for a leader to look at that and say, we need to be on there. Well, it's it's the director or the manager's job to stop and say, well, why? What does that get us? You know, we, we may very well need to be on there, but let's think it through first and make sure that strategically it makes sense. And let's plan out exactly what we're going to do while we're there, what the what the impact is going to be, how we're going to tie that back to our broader business goals. Right. So the good tactician, the good uh, frontline executor on all this should be um, almost a, uh, a, a stop point or a safety net in terms of uh, strategic direction. You know, even, even if the boss gets antsy and you know wants the latest shiny object, anybody on the team that uh, has the, the best interests of the company in mind needs to think back to, well, does this make strategic sense? I say no, that's good. I think it's good advice. Uh, Scott, let me uh, just wrap it up with a couple quick questions, and I'm, I, I hope you don't feel like I'm putting on the spot, but I'm, you know, I want people to pay more attention to what you're doing and, and read This Week in Digital because I think it's a really a valuable resource. But I'm curious, you know, on, on a weekly basis, uh, who are the two or three folks that you might check into to see what they're writing about and what they're, what they're thinking and talking about because, you know, an influencer's influence is, uh, is powerful stuff. Wow, uh, that's a that's a good question, Joel. Um, you know, my friend Jay Bear uh, does an awful lot of good content on convince and convert, uh, and and he does such a good job of, um, of 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 sharing that content with multiple platforms that it's it's difficult to miss uh, any of his stuff. Uh, so he's somebody I uh, I follow an awful lot. Uh, Jeremiah Aoyang of Crowd Companies is uh, a friend and, and a colleague, and I'm, uh, full disclosure, I'm an advisor to Crowd Companies, but he's tracking uh, the uh, the collaborative economy, and, and Crowd Companies is a, a council for brands that are interested in the collaborative economy. Uh, so companies like uh, Airbnb and Uber and, uh, and and all the rest that are disrupting uh, existing business models 
brands need to understand how to actually work with them and collaborate with them, not get squeezed out by them or view them as enemies. So, uh, so Jeremiah is fantastic for looking at uh, trends in the industry and, and keeping track of data on the uh, collaborative economy. And then um, lastly, I would say uh, Mark Schaefer. Uh, Mark has a wonderful uh, blog at businessesgrow.com, uh, and he and Tom Webster together uh, produce a biweekly podcast called uh, The Marketing Companion, uh, which is mixed with humor and debate and uh, industry updates. And uh, to hear the two of them together debating things and talking about uh, the way the marketing world is changing, uh, it's just one of the, the joys of my uh, my week. So um, I would highly recommend checking out Mark and, and Tom. Great. That's good. I appreciate you doing that. And again, sorry if we're putting you on the spot there, but that's why I ask it because, uh, you know, three of those four, I heard of Jay, obviously, but uh, three of those four I don't really check into, so I'll, I'll certainly link them up and, and take a look. Uh, one last question, Scott, and then I'll let you go. I am a huge fan, as I mentioned, of uh, This Week in Digital. So, you know, you know, give me a, a hint here. What? Uh, and again, we don't want to go jump on the latest trend, obviously, but what are the one or two things that business leaders really should be paying attention to the most where you know, digital changes are, are happening and the impact to our business and technology might be concerned right now? Well, there's, there's a few things. Um, one, I think, and, and this is uh, entirely appropriate that you and I are talking about uh, on this podcast, is audio. Uh, I think it's it's largely been overlooked by many, many brands. Uh, but look, podcasting is uh, on its way back. Well, I don't think it ever really left. But, you know, with the with the rise of more of a mainstream awareness of podcasting and um, outfits like National Public Radio making more of their programs available uh, on demand, uh, and on demand is very big in, in television as well, as we know, um, I think podcasting is is something that you need to take uh, account of. And when you consider that people are carrying these audio devices around with them every day, everywhere they go, you know, now it's phones rather than iPods, um, or maybe they're in their cars and you have their undivided attention for 30 to 60 minutes a day uh, or twice a day. Uh, this is a wonderful way for uh, for you to connect with people. Uh, and, and, you know, as Spotify and as uh, RDO and iHeartRadio and all the rest continue, and Pandora, I should mention, uh, continue their rise, audio is uh, is really something that uh, needs additional attention. And the other thing I would say is, we did mention it before, is live stream mobile video, Periscope, Meerkat, Blab, um I, I think it's early days yet with these technologies and because everybody can do video, there's going to be a lot of crap out there. But if you can figure out a way to do something really compelling, compelling enough to tear someone away from something that they're doing and force them to watch you live, right? Because that's, that's what these are. They are live stream applications um, and figure out a way that you can deliver them value the way no one else can. I think live stream video can be extremely important in your uh, storytelling quiver. Very good, Scott. That's uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, I never even really considered the um, 
addressing the live stream video to add it to the storytelling, and, and, I, and it's great because I think there's a there's a um, almost a, a a more personal feel through this like rough and ready kind of video. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So listen, I want to be mindful of your time and, and let you go here. We've been speaking with Scott Monty. Scott, Mon you can find him at scottmonty.com. I would really encourage you to subscribe to his This Week in Digital. You will be glad that you have. And uh, listen, if you've enjoyed this podcast, pass it along because Scott has some excellent wisdom. I've learned quite a bit just from following and reading some of his things. And I hope you've uh, learned a thing or two in our interview with Scott today. So, Scott, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking time and being our guest today. All right, Joel. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure.